you know, we meet up with Robert Schuller uh, from Melissa's Produce, um, Melissa's.com, I guess it would be more useful for, for you listeners. Um, once a year when he gives his annual trends report. Um, uh, but it's, I, I want to give a little context to those of you who have not noticed Melissa's. I remember the first thing I ever noticed by Melissa's was in the supermarket and you had Jerusalem artichokes, which I had never had before. Okay, mm-hmm. and that's how I got to know the company. But, and when we started doing this regular feature, uh, I think you gave us a little bit of background. Um, but let's just do a brief uh, review of, of how Melissa started. And the, the company is actually named after the founder's daughter, Melissa. Uh, what, what the, how it got founded and what was the mission or what is the mission. And, of course, that is expanding all the time wider and wider what you're doing. So to just give us a little background and backstory, Robert. Thank you, Ann. Um, here, Robert Schuler, Melissa's Produce. Uh, we're, the, we're the company, the largest uh, variety distributor of produce in the United States. We have a product line of over 1,500 produce items. You can believe that. Many That's of them incredible. are seasonal grown either domestically or we'll search around the world globally to make it available and in season here in the United States. We distribute our products into most supermarkets across the country. You'll also find our products in limited distribution in food service purveyors, especially on the West Coast, but we also supply our produce to many of the sporting stadiums across the country, including like New York Yankee Stadium and the Mets Stadium, the 76ers and the Flyers, Dallas Cowboys, the Dodgers, the Angels, the Padres. So if you're a sporting (laughs) fan, a lot of times you're able to be able to experience our produce at the stadium. Now, the company was founded 40 years ago, just over 40 years ago. Is that wrong? (laughs) I remember it was just new in the supermarkets. Yes, and so... Was that 40 uh, years ago? It's been 40 years. Um, in Jeez. fact, Melissa is just over 40 years old. The company was started when she was literally born. She is the only um, uh, child uh, from Joe and Sharon Hernandez when they started the company. These are two produce veterans that, uh, whose families were involved in the produce industry, and I guess one day they decided um, they they um, uh, Joe came from El Paso, Texas, and Sharon was in. Uh, and when they met in the produce industry, they decided they wanted to go into their own direction as a husband and wife team. When they first started off, we were a very Melissa's was a very small company. In fact, the company uh, is called World Variety Produce. Melissa is our brand name, and that came several years after not only Melissa, the daughter, was born, but our brand came to be just a few years after. Um, but still today, in our packages, most known by Melissa's, where the I in Melissa's is the carrot, all of our packages oh, yeah, that's uh, great. Well, are labeled World Variety Produce. So that's kind of our company in a nutshell to where we were just a little company, and now we're one of the largest produce companies in the United States. It's a, it's amazing to me how it's just so different, you know, from how I 
encountered it and, and what you've come to be. And Robert, your, your, your core location is in Los Angeles, correct? Yes. Our sole uh, location of our warehouse is in Los Angeles, actually in the city of Vernon, California. But you will find our products in all 50 states across the country. Believe it or not, we also distribute into Alaska and Hawaii as well. We're located in the center of Los Angeles, in the city of Vernon, where you have the airports, the major harbor in L.A., the train. So we're in very much a logistical area of the country. In fact, the produce market, the L.A. produce market and flower market are located right down the street there in Vernon uh, here in uh, Southern California there. So we're in a great area for distribution and products to go anywhere throughout the United States. Now, I mean, the intention of this company was to do, you said they wanted to go their own way, but, I mean, there was a major push in the direction. Could you explain that, the the mission of of Melissa's? Okay, well, uh, Joe Hernandez, uh, the owner, the president, Co-owner is uh, Sharon Hernandez, husband and wife team who still run the whole and own the business. Um, they, when they were working in the produce industry, they found themselves uh, finding an opportunity in the market uh, for uh, not only uh, the retailer, but also the food service, the chefs, were looking for products out of the ordinary. They were looking for products that were ethnic. In fact, Joe Hernandez, uh, a native to El Paso, Texas, his whole family uh, was only new, really Hispanic produce items, you know, like jicama and chayote and tomatillos <laughs> and fresh chilies. When Joe and Sharon moved to Los Angeles, where they reside in Southern California, they realized a lot of their stores didn't carry the items that they usually or they found it very difficult to find the produce items that they usually buy um, because Joe Hernandez being of a Hispanic descent, um, there was a lot of Mexican food and produce items that they were looking for. And so that's literally how the light bulb turned on to making all these hard to find ethnic produce available, making it available for anybody um, in the United States um, to find these ingredients. And that's how you start off with a few items. And then, you know, 40 years later, we have yes. over 1,500 different produce items that we carry. Okay, yeah. Now, we got into this regular annual appearance of, of you, participation in, on the menu, um, because every year now you've been giving a, um, a presentation um, about mm-hmm. what is hot, what is trendy, what is new from Melissa's produce. And then you, you, you do it twice, and, and I'm asking you to do a, a variation on that for our uh, listeners. Um, so talk to us about um, your most, what is hot. It's the first part of your presentation. Uh, the most popular specialty produce in 2022 what were some of those items? You don't have to do every single one of them, but okay. give us some idea, particularly like things like um, we've been eating a lot of dragon fruit. 
which I encountered mainly caterers used to love using getting a hold of it and putting it on out for um, you know for events. Right, right. So, what are some of those popular produce items in 2022, and and yes. what? How do you translate that? Uh, I mean, I guess you can calculate how much of it has been ordered and sold. Um, mm-hmm. How do you project that into what's going to be hot for 2023? Okay, well, you know, produce trends are based upon the retail sales of products from one year to the next. There. And what I'm going to give you with some of the top items at Melissa's um, that will continue to trend uh, because they have been trending for years and are the most popular specialty produce items that are available in stores across the country. Number one, and you'll find this in many of our trends, is Melissa's is really known for our variety specialty potatoes. These are baby potatoes, you know, the potatoes about the size of a walnut. They're wonderful. They're yeah, they're just wonderful. Thank you. I think you're talking about the, some of the samples that I had sent you that you and yes. Peter have been able to explore in your kitchen there. Yeah. The number one, the number one item that Melissa's is known for is our Dutch yellow potatoes. We are the only company in the United States that offers Dutch yellow potatoes. People think that they're baby Yukon gold potatoes, but actually it's not. It's a Dutch yellow potato. They're grown in Idaho. Idaho is known for their volcanic rich soils and they've been growing in Idaho since the, uh, since we started a company um, in, in the last few decades there. And it's our number really? one selling one. The, the reason why that is because this is a potato like many potatoes, um, baby potatoes, the skin is edible and this potato not only gold on the outside, gold on the inside, it actually tastes buttery. So you really don't have to do much other than cook the potato to really enjoy it. It's one of the only potatoes, uh, our Dutch potatoes, they don't. Mm -hmm. um, One thing that you might uh, realize, when you buy baby potatoes and you bring them home, if you have them sit on your counter too long because of the lighting or the sunlight that comes in through the window or your lighting that's in your kitchen, yes. And these Dutch yellow potatoes, they come in different colors, but the gold, the gold ones are the most popular. They never, the skin never turns green because once a potato turns green, and I know everybody's familiar with this because sometimes, you know, potatoes, they, they have a good shelf life, but if they get the daylight or if they get too much um, fluorescent lighting in your kitchen, the skin will turn green, making the potato, like, no good, like, almost toxic. Well, they say people tell that. you it's poisonous, actually. People have for years said that it was poisonous. I don't know. Yes. You but you know what I just it. learned? Yeah. You know what I just learned? I just looked it up. and You could freeze potatoes. I never did in my life, but I'm going to freeze some. You definitely you know can. Do that? Huh? You definitely can um, make sure that they're dry before you put them in the freezer, but you yeah. can definitely do that. Um, it's just that when you cook them after they're frozen, you're going to let them sit out at room temperature for a few hours before you start cooking them because if you take them from freezer into boiling water, they'll crack uh-huh. on you really fast. That's the only negative there. You have to plan a little bit more to be what able do to you, do that. Are you the school that says you have to blanch them before you freeze them? You don't have to, but you can do that as well. You can pre-cook them, then put them in the freezer, and they freeze for a long time. Again, you'll have to heat them up 
uh, let them sit out at room temperature because when you reheat them up, like if you heat them up really fast, like in the microwave out of the freezer, they will crack. Okay. And so that will affect the texture, the flavors of it. So that's why freezing is not a popular way to store them. Uh, just mm-hmm. simply keeping them on your counter um, is good enough. And, okay. uh, you know, you'll find that you'll get less shrink if you look for the Melissa's Dutch yellow potato. Now, going on to that list, baby red potatoes are extremely popular, but we also sell another uh, variety bag called gemstone potatoes. The gemstone potatoes, what's so cool about that is there are different varieties. There's the, there's the, uh, the Dutch yellow, there's the red, there's the purple. So you have all these different varieties of colors and textures and flavors, and it just makes a great plate, plate presentation. And I, I think kids are really drawn to seeing colors on the Color, plate yeah. and just seeing green vegetables. And this is a great way to get your kids to eat more produce. You can make these gemstone, like, fries. You call them fries instead of big potatoes. And they're colorful, and and the kids are just going to love it. So um, the baby potatoes, you know, you eat the skin because it's completely edible. It's very thin. And the fact of the matter is baby potatoes, they have a very short cooking time. So, you know, you don't have to bake it like a russet and putting it in the stove or 45 minutes at 350 degrees for them to bake. So, you know, there's many ways to be able to have a fast instant side dish. In fact, you know, the baby potatoes you can microwave and typically, you know, like a dozen of them take about four minutes in the microwave and you don't have to, if you use the Dutch yellow potatoes in particular, you don't have to put a lot of butter on them because they taste buttery in that, in themselves. So, well, okay, now, let's talk about... we, we, we love dragon yeah. fruit, and I mean, it yes. suits me perfectly. I'm surprised that it's so popular because it's not very sweet, which is what I prefer. Um, you know, but it, 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 it's on your popular list, dragon fruit. Yes. Well, let me, t- t- let me uh, start with that dragon fruit, also known as pataya, um, is, very, is very much popular in... Um, in Asia, Southeast Asia in particular, very popular in Central and South America as well. That's where it's called pataya. But the variety you think it's, it's we, the same as a papaya? It doesn't taste uh, yeah. the same. Pataya. Oh, 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 oh. Okay, I got pataya it Pataya right. translates to fruit of a cactus because, yes, the dragon fruit is a fruit of a cactus, believe it or not. Very different from a, a prickly pear or what yeah. they call a pack. Uh, a cactus pear. So pataya. See, I uh, love prickly pears too. Sorry about that. Didn't mean I to love I love there. prickly pears. That those people that used to sell me all the prickly pears went out of business. Yes. I can't remember their names now, but the, yes, yes, I love yes. those. They're, they're delicious, but they taste very different from those as well. Because you know, like a prickly pear is watery, but it's very it has very crunchy seeds. Unlike a dragon fruit that has very small seeds like a banana, and you can't even taste the seeds. You taste the flesh, which is somewhat kiwi-like, but not as sweet. But yes, and you are correct. Dragon fruit, the white flesh, there's three different varieties. They're pink on the outside, but on the inside, the white flesh is the most popular. It is a very mild-tasting fruit. But a very spectacular looking fruit, and that's what gets people so attracted to it. And of course, 
the uh, vitamins, minerals, and the health aspects because yeah, it tastes like dragon fruit. Everywhere you go, like Yogurtland or Starbucks, they're using dragon fruit in their drinks or in their yogurt, and it's just become a, a popular flavor. Now, there's, there's other varieties of dragon fruit. There's another variety that's called, that is called red flesh. It's pink on the outside, but when you cut it in the inside, it's a bright red purple magenta flesh. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I now, like that those, one. Yes, those dragon fruit are a little bit more sweeter than the popular white flesh variety. The only way you're going to know the difference is by reading the label if it's white dragon fruit or a red dragon fruit. But, and I'm sure you, you and Peter know that there's also an orange, excuse me, a yellow dragon fruit. Yellow, The yeah. yellow dragon fruit is yellow on the outside, and when you cut it open, it's white on the inside. Now, these, they come from Ecuador almost on a year-round basis. Now, this is actually one of the sweetest tasting fruits I've ever had, very different from a typical white dragon fruit, and it is the sweetest of the three. But the dragon fruit, believe it or not, is our number one tropical fruit that we distribute in the United States and in the top ten for tropical fruit in, the, in, the, in your regular grocery store. So, you know, if you would have asked me this 15 years ago, 17 years ago when a company called Melissa's introduced this fruit to the United States for the first time, little did I know it would be so popular in that, in that least amount of time, you know, it's up in the, it's up in the same uh, areas where mangoes, which is the number one tropical fruit in the United States is. Um, oh, yeah, the, everybody uh, loves mangoes. So it, it, it is a, a very much trending fruit uh, beyond enjoying it out of hand, but the way in which you can use it in juicing, in cooking, but really the flare is the interior of the fruit because it's, you know, it's white or red flesh with the yeah. little black seeds, and it's just so cool looking and tasty. Yeah, that's too. cool. Now, I'm, I'm, how do you know, I mean, what do you base your uh, projection of, for your, what's going to be hot in 2023? I mean, these are the things that you're talking about that you sell the most of and did in 22. And how do you project what's going to be hot in 23? Oh, it's it's simple. Uh, it's simple uh, research. I don't. I, I don't. I'm not a gypsy. I don't have a crystal ball. I don't guess. I base it specifically on the increase from 2021 versus the sales in 2022, and that's how I project for what I know is continuing to trend and spike in terms of overall sales in your local produce department across the country. And so I'm going to give you some of the most popular trending items that we're going to see here in now 2023. Are you ready? Okay. Okay. First off, and, and this is in no particular order, dragon fruit, whether it's the red flesh variety, the yellow flesh variety, and the white flesh variety, the right. trend has been double-digit for the last few years, and I see no changing that. But let's talk about some of the other exciting fruits that are in that well, The one that I have trouble with, people don't even believe me 
uh, that there is such a thing as pink pineapple, and I never believed it to you from you until you said it to me, and it's wonderful. Why isn't that more popular? People don't even believe what I tell them that it's pink. Yes. Um, well, the pink pineapples that we inter- that Melissa's helped introduce with El Monte. This is this happened uh, the year before COVID started. So in 2019. It was the rarest and newest fruit to the United States. Yes, the pink pineapple. When you cut open the pineapple, literally, it has a pink flesh. For the first year and a half. It is stunning. It's absolutely, I, I didn't, you know, you don't even believe you're eating a pineapple because of the pink. Yes, for the first year and a half, it was only available online at melissa.com. Um, and they were extremely expensive, like $50. Since that time, one, they become more accessible in the United States, but you're not going to find them at every store. And you can also find them online, but if you're lucky enough, call your local produce department to see if they can get in these pink pineapples. They are yeah, still kind of I, I've never seen it except through Melissa's. But the other thing yeah. is, Someday you're going to send me one of these these um, Japanese strawberries, which I have yet to ever taste. <laughs> They're what five dollars yeah. a berry or something. <laughs> no, no, Robert, yes. don't take this, don't take this as a hint or anything like that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, the year before last, we introduced the Japanese strawberries. These are strawberries that are large, like the size of a racquetball, and believe it or not, they come in three colors. Now, you've got to understand, Japan ha- is really into their fruits and veggies um, because there's a lot of symbolism behind them. They're given, they're given as gifts, you know, simple, simply oh, kind of okay. like if you were uh, going to someone's houses for dinner, tradition in the United States is you bring a bottle of wine, but in Japan... You bring I'm them fruit, you know. <laughs> so um, there's something very special about these. But the Japanese strawberries, first of all, they look totally fake. They look like they're plastic. They're so perfect. <laughs> the strawberries, you can find them out there in select, in select produce departments across the country in pink, in white, and just this blood red color. They just look like the really? most perfect strawberry. I've got to make sure I get some out to you because the season <laughs> for these strawberries starts in, um, in December uh, for the holidays, um, are really popular for Christmas, Hanukkah, New Year's. And then, of course, they're also available through now, through um, especially because of, like, Valentine's Day and Super Bowl coming up. Oh, they're right. They're really popular, and they're really expensive. They're, they're uh, uh, in a package, you'll get 12 strawberries, and the package is about 20-some dollars. So, yes, oh, no. like, they're really expensive, like the pink pineapples. They are extremely rare, just like the pink pe- pineapples were. Um, but, you know, if your local store does not have them, you can always go to melissas.com and <laughs> order them online. So, what, what are pine berries? I don't know what pine okay. berries are. Pine berries, um, we introduced this fruit to the United States about 15 years ago. What? No, I'm, I'm saying about 10, 
10, 12 years ago, and we only got them out of uh, England. Uh, they really? are basically a white strawberry, but they're the exact opposite of a strawberry. So you know a strawberry, a typical strawberry is red with yeah. white seeds. Pine berries are inverted the other way. They're white berries with red seeds. So they are a cousin How to the funny. strawberry. Yes. Yeah. Um, they're, they're smaller in size, about the size of like a quarter, and they are highly seasonal during um, uh, only a few months. We don't have to import them in, making them really expensive. We actually, they grow them um, in Florida and in California, and it seems like the only time we have them is from uh, um, late January through about March or April time. So, again, another item to add to your list if you've never tried them before. A little bit harder to find, but a little bit more access than your pink pineapples and your Japanese strawberries. Um, and it's just uh, something that's been, uh, again, a lot of this has to do with visualness, not only because of the taste, because if they didn't taste good, we wouldn't sell as many as we do. Um, but also the, the season, when we first started, when, I, when 12 years ago, when we first started to import them in, they were only available for like two or three weeks. And now we have them for about three and a half, four months, and they're grown domestically. So we definitely see uh -huh. a big trend in these pine berries as well. Make sure you have that on your list. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that um, you gave us, um, you know, we used to live in Australia. So, I mean, I know that, that I'm comfortable with the concept of the alternate opposite seasons. Uh, so, but I never knew that they actually grew cherries in Tasmania. Yes. Oh, man, they are just so delicious. They're one they of our They are good. They're wonderful. I don't know how I uh, missed that. We have a cousin who lives in Tasmania, and um, right. I don't think he could probably provide you with as large, um, as, as large a, a delivery as you would want uh, for your inventory, but he, he grows the most prized avocados in Tasmania. Mm-hmm. Organic. Tasmania... Okay, so about three seasons ago, because the Tasmanian Australian uh, cherry season um, is only available um, during the months of uh, late December, January, and February. So the season uh, really just started up early January, and uh, we realized these uh, cherries are huge. I mean, they're like they're almost double the size of a regular typical cherry that we're used to seeing, you know, out of California or Washington, who's known domestically for their cherries. But they're also in opposite seasons because a lot, you know, obviously looking at the globe, looking at uh, Australia, Tasmania is below the equator. It's even though it's winter here in the United States below the equator, it's summer. So we're, we're tapping into some of the exciting summer fruits from that neck of the woods. And there's two, particular fruits that we're really excited about. These Tasmanian cherries that are bean-like, you know, they're dark red, and they're super sweet, but I've never had ones that are so big. And also those mangoes that come from Australia. Oh, well. yes. 
the main island there. Yeah, yeah. We, and we have the, that's where we get the delicious Calypso mangoes. And we're in season for the Calypso mangoes, which is usually late December, January, February as well. So you've got to take advantage of going to your local produce department. No, I mean, I have them. Newer varieties. I got them, yeah. um, but they weren't ripe, so I have them on my counter, and they're getting really close to be, being able to be uh, cut and eaten. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they look and wonderful. you know, this is a generalized rule for mangoes. There's two ways you know when a mango is ripe, because you, the certainty, obviously, you guys don't want to cut into a mango that is rock hard. You want to wait right. for it to soften up. But the main thing that that fruit communicates to you is you is the fragrance. And when it softens oh, up really? and has okay. a lot of fragrance, you know that is a great time to open up a okay, mango. Okay, so I smell it. I'm going to smell it. Okay. You're definitely and then that's the colors in the fridge. The white mango is no, no, I wouldn't put it in the fridge. No. Yeah, do not put it in the fridge until it gets too soft. If you like it chilled, never put fruit in the refrigerator unless it's going to go bad. That's the only reason why you would put any type of fruit in the refrigerator. You always want to ripen your fruit at at room temperature on your counter. Yes. Well, they said you you should never put bananas in the refrigerator. There was a a jingle that my mother's era about you never put bananas in the refrigerator. <laughs> but well, I mean, they, I guess there comes they, they a time when you have that. to do something. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah. I, yeah. I can the, freeze the bananas them. will darken. I, yeah. I, I froze them, though, actually, believe it or not. Um, the, the, could, could you tell us a little bit about the um, Miracle Berry Cubes? Because that's a hard, I, I'm surprised that never took off. Really? Are okay. you saying well, you're gonna... predicting that's going to be trendy this year? Correct. Uh, let me tell you about the Miracle Berry. Uh, believe it or not, that is the actual name of this fruit. Um, it was about, uh, I would say, about 13 years ago. Um, let me give you a little background about the Miracle Berries. The Miracle Berries uh, tend to grow uh, on the continent of Africa. Uh, there's probably a specific reason why they're there because these miracle berries, believe it or not, what they do is they, uh, when you, they're little red uh, berries. And when you um, eat the miracle berries, they neutralize your palate, your mouth. So when you bite into something that is sour, it changes your palate to make it taste sweet. So when we introduced the, the fresh miracle berries that long ago, we realized we had a couple of problems with the distribution of them. One, extremely expensive. Two, very short shelf life. They needed to be refrigerated, and they were very expensive, and they were a fruit that nobody understood. So when we introduced the fresh ones, 12 years ago, it, it, it just kind of flopped, because, mm-hmm. mainly because of the shelf life. Well, just this past year, in the last few months, we decided to take the fresh Miracle Berry and preserve it into like a freeze-dried cube. So the package that we offer now are Miracle Berry Cubes. So we created a package 
that have about 12 cubes inside that have a shelf-stable six-month shelf life so you don't have to worry about the, uh, the cube going back. So you can now find them on melissas.com, but we're now starting to distribute them into produce departments. And I challenge you to try these Miracle Berries because what it's going to do is if you eat a Miracle Berry, wait about a minute for it to neutralize your palate, it is going to, you, uh, the next step you're going to do is anything you bite into that's like sour is going to taste sweet. <laughs> so I dare you to bite into a lemon or a lime or anything else sour. It's actually going to taste sweet. Now, the reason, let me go back to my original story. The reason why you find them in the continent of Africa is because um, Africa has very extreme weather. And especially in the summertime, it's very hot, dry, and, and, and drought uh, in many places uh, throughout many of the countries in Africa. So these miracle berries naturally grow. And the thing is, is there's not a lot of other uh, – they have a very short season for other fruits. For example, um, uh, some of the more popular fruits that are grown in Africa are like citrus. But the thing is, is that it takes citrus a long time to ripen up. But, the, but people have found uh, that if you have a miracle berry, then you're able to eat a citrus like a green, oh, interesting. a green grapefruit that is not ripe and ready to go, that after eating a miracle berry, they're able to pick the unripened uh, grapefruit and are able to enjoy it and eat it because it will not taste sour or bad as a typical. <laughs> so that I knew there was some reason for that. I'm surprised that that people haven't just because people who have really intense sweet tooth <laughs> would really they could just bypass sweets and eat this these cubes. Huh? Yes. But there's, there's a warning that goes with these cubes. So, so tell me. like I said, it's not just fruit that will taste sweet. Anything you eat that is sour, like sour candy or anything like that, for about up to an hour, it will make everything taste sweet. So I wouldn't recommend you having these Miracle Berries <laughs> and having a really nice glass of wine. <laughs> Because it will oh, make the no. wine oh, no. taste like syrup. Oh, dear. All of a sudden you're into Manischewitz. Oh. It's okay. <laughs> There's the warning when you have these miracle berries. Do not drink a nice glass of wine because it will not taste oh, like funny. the wine is supposed to intend to. Unless you want a dessert wine. Robert Schuler, you are so full of information. I could talk to you for years and years and years. <laughs> but I guess we'll have to put off some of it until uh, your next specialty report. Uh, let me know what I should do. Um, we still have a lot of things we haven't talked about. Um, I, I understand the popularity of cotton candy grapes. Um, I'm not so crazy about them, but everybody else loves them. So uh, that's something that's sweet. You just keep expanding your offerings. Listeners, you really need to go on this website and, and actually just try 
extend your experience with fruits and vegetables through Melissa's. Oh, Robert Schuller, and you're so much fun to talk to. Well, thank you. I can't, I can't thank you enough. I mean, it's always such a great interview with you. So um, maybe we don't have to wait another year to, to talk again. How about that? I'm ready to talk when you're ready to talk produce, okay, hey, Ann and Peter? Okay. <laughs> All right. Robert Schuller, you were just a gem, and I appreciate you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, what didn't we cover? Are you stopping? Oh, it's okay. I mean, I think we... Podcasting services for On The Menu Radio are provided by ASP Station, www.aspstation.net.